welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Yeah, thank you, Luke. Uh, well, good uh, afternoon, good evening, uh, good morning, perhaps, uh, as the case may be. It's, uh, it's good to be with you. It's always to be good to be with the SA family. I'm, I'm so fortunate to be a member of this fellowship, and uh, it's a special treat to be with such a, uh, a widely uh, dispersed uh, members of our fellowship. Uh, it uh, reminds me of our early days in recovery. I, I always thought of the widespread fellowship as a safety net that held me up in difficult times, and uh, this gives face to all of that. So I, I thank you for being here. I thank you, uh, Barcelona, for uh, holding this uh, meeting uh, that allows us to all to share. It's a treat, although I've been a little bit anxious about it, but uh, that's the way it goes. So I, I'd like to ask you if you would, uh, just uh, those who care to join me in uh, the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as I will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Thank you. I, uh, find that prayer a helpful way to calm me in a situations like this and uh, to remind me to uh, try to stay out of God's way uh, so that he can accomplish whatever it might be that he intends to accomplish uh, today in this meeting. Uh, I pray that prayer many times a day, relieve me of the bondage of self because uh, I need that. I, I am uh, so uh, self-willed. Uh, that it's a really stumbling block for me. So I find that prayer very helpful. Also, when I have occasion to share like this, I try to bear in mind the line we read from A Vision for You. Remember, we know only a little. Read that. Remember, I know only a little. And uh, I find that more and more true, although I often can lapse. Uh, I'm sure people in my home group would say, hey, don't you think you ought to uh, give that a little more credence in your life? But uh, I do know only a little. And all I have to offer you today is the truth of my own experience, and, and I'll, I'll try to share that with you. Uh, to qualify, uh, my name is Gary, and I am a uh, sexaholic, powerless over lust. been a member of the fellowship for over 30 years and uh, sober since March 2003. My acting out included the use of fantasy and uh, masturbation from an early age, and that continued for decades. I uh, moved on to the use of pornography uh, in porn shops and later by way of, of the internet, and uh, that continued uh, for time. Engaged in anonymous sexual encounters, prostitution, phone sex, stalking people, and really having a life riddled by lust. Uh, 
uh, I was I was really, truth be told, a low bottom sex junk. So uh, it's nothing short of a miracle that I get to be with you here today. My primary character defects are selfishness and self-centeredness. Uh, very willful person, uh, lots of pride, uh, envy, uh, and really a pathological need to, to be appreciated. That that. That really is a difficulty in my life. Uh, uh, so that, that just scratches the surface, but that gives you some idea about me. And uh, uh, it's clearly only through the grace of God that uh, I could uh, be here today and uh, find my way to Sexaholics Anonymous and a solution that works just a little bit about my past so you know where I'm coming from when I share with you today. Uh, I was born into a family that was struggling with poverty that would not have been a, a big issue. I think it might have been interesting in ways if it wasn't uh, uh, complicated by uh, domestic violence, lots lots of violence, uh, and alcoholism. And uh, I was sexually abused in the midst of that and family situation. And uh, I choose today not to discuss that. It was, it was a very painful part of my life, and it uh, caused me a lot of difficulties for many years, and I don't choose to be a victim as, as part of my story. Out in a, escaping from myself later, and, and at an early age, pre-puberty added a masturbation to that. I hated from the beginning what I was doing, but I, I hated I, I hated so much about my existence. I hated so much about those about those years, and in, in the midst of uh, a lot of craziness uh, going on, it was. Uh, important to my mother that uh, our children be raised in the faith of her family, in the Catholic faith. And I'm grateful for that today. I'm really grateful for that today. But uh, one part of it for me that was particularly troubling was that uh, my church taught in those years very clearly that masturbation was a mortal sin for which one goes to hell forever and ever. So it didn't take, and it wouldn't take a genius to figure out that I ought to stop that. But I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. I tried to stop it. I couldn't stop. I, I very clearly remember at age 17 uh, coming to uh, the realization that I'm not going to stop, so I just quit trying and uh, and uh, went on then for decades with that behavior. But I did uh, leave my family after I got out of high school and went on to become uh, well-educated and to make life for myself. I was uh, blessed and very fortunate to, to get married, uh, but... Uh, I lacked the integrity or the courage to share my past with my with my wife, and uh, really blindsided her with that. Uh, uh, I am very fortunate to say we uh, some months ago celebrated fifty years of marriage. So uh, you can see that the miracles have uh, happened in my life uh, over and over and again and again, and far beyond anything that I uh, could have deserved. <sighs> So my behavior after I married uh, continued to worsen. I crossed boundaries and I spiraled way down and I engaged in behaviors I shared in my, uh, in my qualifications. So don't need to go into that except just to say that uh, uh, life became very difficult. The sexaholic behaviors uh, held me in a real bondage. And I got to the point where all I desired to do uh, was to... Uh, live long enough to get my children through a school, complete their education, and raise them. I'd made a couple of feeble attempts in my life and always thought I would uh, 
proceed with that after I achieved that. But uh, God had uh, something, something else in mind for me, which, which brings what he had in mind for me was to get me to essay. And so how did God get me to essay? <laughs> well, he has his ways, and uh, his ways with me were that uh, uh, in uh, April of 1989, I was an undercover police officer masturbating in a porn shop, and uh, that resulted in an arrest. And uh, uh, I'm still amazed when I think back of that, because I told the arresting officer as I was taken to the uh, police station that... Uh, uh, I actually thanked him and said something good would come of this. I tried to stop many, 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 many times. I had all kinds of strategies to stop, but I would never ask for help. I was too proud to ask for help. I was too ashamed to ask for help. I would never ask for help. I knew something was different. And so I thanked that officer, but there's probably a lot of bravado in that. Because did I go home and tell my wife? No, I didn't go home and tell my wife. I went to the prosecuting attorney and tried to work it out so it would all go away. And it probably would have all gone away, except the local newspaper had an interest in me because of my status at that time in the community. So I woke up to a front page Sunday edition story, a crash of my double life, and I had no choice but to share this with my wife. Well, what good came out of all that is I went away for treatment. Uh, and I was at this treatment facility, and a fellow was there, another patient had come from California. And he just found SA before he left California. And he was from the Simi Valley area where our founder was from. And he told me about it, Sexaholics Anonymous. And he told me that they were going to have their international convention in July of 1989 in Milwaukee, a few hours from my home. So I went to that. Actually, my wife went to the SNA part of that. But I walked into those rooms and I heard my story. I heard my story told repeatedly by people who weren't living that way anymore, by men who were sober, by women who were sober. But they were living a life differently and they had what I wanted. I needed it too, but I really did. I wanted it. And so uh, that was a life-changing experience. Hope it in my life in a way then that, that I'd never really experienced before. And so I, I came back home to the community, talked to my pastor, started a meeting, got another fellow I led to. And that meeting's gone on now for over 30 years and uh, spun off many other meetings have, uh, have sprung from it. So uh, I was, uh, was very fortunate uh, to have uh, that experience. So I got those local meetings going and I, I started working the program. I did work the program. I got a sponsor from out of town to help me. I worked the steps and uh, things seemed to be going well. I did a lot of service, but just short of four years sobriety, I lost my sobriety to, to masturbation. And then over a period of time, I had a number of episodes of masturbation off and on over the years. But I never left the program. I always stayed honest. I, I choked sometimes to have to sigh, but I, I'd get sober two or three years and then have relapsed. But there was something that was not quite right about my program. I, I, I'd, I'd worked the steps. I, I'd done what I thought I could do. But uh, something was missing. Now, something that was missing brings me to our topic today, really. I'd just like to read briefly this passage from our book. So uh, this passage is a chapter on step 11 in our book, What Kind of God? With little regard for who he is or who he is, or his will for us, we insisted on trying to use God for our own selfish ends, which only kept us from seeing what we really were and who he really is. Thus, with all the false gods we clung to, lust, sex, the body of a man or a woman, other people in our dependency, things, pleasure, food, work, money, success, 
Some of us still instinctively went through our religious exercises of whatever persuasion they might have been, lost to what was on the other side of our idolatry. But what if God was for us? That question's haunted me. What if God was for us? Not as we saw ourselves, but as we truly were. What if he saw us with all our wrongs and made himself one with us in providing for our release? If this were true, we could bring God into our wrongs. And we who are absolutely without power over our wrongs could be freed from their power every time we gave them up to God. Have we not seen this in our own experience? Each time when we are faced with a temptation from within or without, and we surrender, are we not freed from its power? Whenever we fulfill this simple condition, we are saved from acting out our wrong. No matter that we may not know how God is doing this, that it is his victory and not ours is obvious, considering our inability to save ourselves. But what if God was for us? And I chose that passage because it changed, it changed my life when it really came into my life. And it changed my life really around the second and third steps. My, my first, second step experience, and, and for a period of years, my early years, was very important to me because it, it changed my relationship with God entirely. I had always believed that I was beyond the reach of God, that I was evil in, in, intensely, that I was evil, that there wasn't any good with me, and that the most evil thing about me is people thought I was quite good, so I was a master deceiver. And I lived with that. No, no therapist, no priest could, could, could wrench that from me. Uh, it was only coming to essay. It was only my first step experience of gathering the evidence to see, well, that I was powerless over this behavior that had gone on forever. There's nothing I could do about it. And it was more powerful than me. It was only when I saw that and then began to see that there was a possibility that there was other better parts of myself that, that I could build upon that could be ignited how through God acting in some way. And so in the set, my second step experience for the longest time was to believe, yeah, that God would do that for me too, that it was possible for God to do that for me too, as he did it for other people, as I always thought. So I opened myself up to that. But it was still, it was still not an intense personal relationship. It was still somewhat intellectualized. It, it waxed and waned over time. It was never quite right. But it, it helped me work the steps. It helped me get sober. It helped me keep in recovery. But what really changed was when, when this piece came, when I had this experience of, of believing that, and, and believing what I'd read here, that I could bring God right into my wrong, right in the very, in the, in the very midst of my wrong. And uh, I'd actually talked to a priest once, just before I came into recovery, just shortly before my arrest, uh, about what I was doing. And, and, and he was a religious uh, a spiritual advisor, and, and I told him that I'd get in these porn shops, and I'd want out, and I couldn't walk out, I couldn't walk out. And he said to me, ask God to walk you out. And I said to him, oh, no, God's not in those places. I can't, what do you mean? I said, of course he is. And I said, you mean I brought God into a porn shop? You know, a little ego there. He said, no, 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 he was there all the time, asking to walk you out. Well, I never really took hold until this kind of passage told me right there in the midst of in the midst of my sin, I could God was present, and I could ask Him to walk me out of it. I could ask Him to walk me out of it. That's just a life changing thing. I was at an essay convention some years ago, and a young fellow was talking. And he spoke about if he was walking down the street, and the object of his attention was coming towards him and triggering his. his wanting to lust, he would say two words. He would say, come in, 
asking for the presence of God. And he would walk past her. She would walk past. His head wouldn't have to swivel. And he was free. And I've never forgotten that two-word prayer come in. It's the most important prayer of my life today. Not just with lust, with all kinds of other things. But I just have to bring to my awareness the presence of God. And I've used it over time. I can be driving down the road. This doesn't happen so much anymore, but it happened a lot in the past. I'd see somebody, someone peripherally way away, and I'd want to swing and take a look. I can say, come in. My car keeps moving. I'm through the next intersection. I'm gone. I'm free. You know, I can be in a grocery store or in the drugstore, and somebody tell me, oh, why don't you go peruse the magazines, you know? Because it's easy to sexualize non- and non-sexual pictures, you know. I, you know, come in. I don't have to do that. I haven't had to do that for years. Most powerful thing, that the idea, the, the, not the idea, the reality that God is present there. And it's, it's, he's present in every circumstance in my life. You know, I had an experience. That this, that some things are life-changing that aren't easy to let go of. Uh, in 2012, I uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and I was told it had to come out immediately, and, and it gave me four days between the diagnosis and surgery. And, and uh, I wasn't so surrendered, and uh, I, I was really struggling. I was very fearful. And uh, uh, the second night that I knew of this uh, situation, I woke up in the middle of the night. I said, God loves me, and I love God. And I woke up my wife, and I said, God loves me, and I love God. I'm going to be okay whatever happens. If I live, I'm going to be okay. If I don't live, I'm going to be okay. And my fear dissipated, and God was with me. And, and the great thing for me about that, one thing is uh, uh, there was a chance to witness something about that to my children, to my two sons. They were with me and my wife when we were there for surgery. And just shortly before I went into, was taken to the surgery uh, arena, the docs came in and they said, well, we looked at some new film and uh, there's really a great risk of the surgery. And these things, you know, you may not survive it. We need to file, we need to sign another consent for us to go ahead. And I said, fine. And I signed the consent. I was completely at peace. And it was only because I knew, I knew from SA, of all the strange things, I knew through my sex addiction, that God was with me, that God was right there in my fear. And whatever the outcome was, God's in charge of outcomes and it'd be okay. So that was then, but it continues in life today. Uh, and, and in every circumstance, my life is different today. I'm sober today, I'm grateful for that. But life has its challenges. I have my own health issues. Uh, the primary uh, challenge in my life today is my wife uh, is suffering from Parkinson's, which uh, is uh, progressing. Uh, it's causing difficulties. She's a brilliant woman. She's very well educated. She's very successful, but she's beginning to have increasingly difficult cognitive difficulties. So she's always needing help with things, and I need patience. Uh, it's funny as I was getting ready for this talk about an hour ago and nervous about it. Uh, she came in and, and wanted me to help her for the whatever number of times, uh, understanding how this new little simple device worked. And so, you know, first I want to say, well, later. And I said, whoops, I was supposed to ask for the presence of God. <laughs> so I said, God, come in. I don't need to worry about this talk. What do the talk? My wife needs my attention. And I was able not to do what I wanted to do, which was get out of here. I need to do this. I was able to help her and, and quit worrying about this. And so I've quit worrying about it. And here I am sharing it with you. And uh, it's just the most marvelous, magical thing. It's just a marvelous thing.
And it, it's changed my life. And I, I, I don't mean to preach this. I don't mean to preach this. I told you, I'm a, I'm a low-bottom sex drunk. That's the truth. That's the truth. That God could bring me out of that and say, you know, you're going to have a marriage of over 50 years. You're going to be able to be a husband to your wife. You're going to be able to do for her as she was willing to do for you. She told me when this became clear, she said, you know, I married you, and I married you for better or worse, and this is worse, my sex health and my rest, et cetera. She said, I married you in sickness and health. And she said, this is sickness. That was good news. She saw it as sickness. She saw that even before I did, that it was sickness, that it wasn't a moral decay. And, Two minutes, uh, Sherry. Yeah, thank you, Luke. She, she stood by me, you know, now I get to stand by her. It's great. I, I've had to get up. I retired, and, and there were a number of volunteer activities in our community that I was very involved in that I re were really meaningful to me. And I've had to let go of those. Uh, God has another call in my life, and it's, it's to really be the companion, the helpmate, the husband, the loving presence. In some ways, maybe, in some ways, in some small ways, his loving presence to her and her life and her difficulty. So I'm going to stay sober today. If I'm challenged, if I'm challenged by lust, that could happen. And I ask for the presence of God. If I'm challenged by self-pity, and that could happen, I'm going to ask for the presence of God. Two words, come in. Come in. In the AA text, what do they say? They say uh, that we become overwhelmed by the conviction of the presence of God. I wouldn't have thought about that for myself, but I am overwhelmed by the conviction of the presence of God in my life. And there's a neat, there's a neat line in uh, the essay book because there's a different section than this, but it answers that question, what if God was for us? Well, it answers it away. It makes a declaration that says, God is surely for the sexaholic. That's been my experience. Unbelievable. I did all kinds of pursuit of God thinking that I could please him in some way. Uh, and that he would be with me, he'd be for me when I finally got all the pieces put together right, when I did my part, and then God and I could have a relationship somewhere as equals. Now we're not equals, you know. I'm the sexaholic in recovery. He's the lover who loves me into recovery, who loves me into sobriety, and calls on me to love the people who he's graced me with in my life. I'm very fortunate to be here. I'm Gary, I'm a sexaholic, and I thank you for letting me share this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gary. Thanks. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Gary. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Gary. If we would have more time, I would ask for five minutes of silence time now, just to let it sink in, <laughs> because it's, it's a pity to use words now. But thank you, Gary. The floor is now open to share or ask a question to Gary. In sharing, we avoid explicit sexual descriptions, <laughs> sexual abuse of language, uh, and specific places or circumstances. The emphasis is on, is on honesty, recovery, and healing. How to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. When sharing, try to end in the solution. We do not interrupt others and do not discuss. We ask that members with more than 30 days of sobriety share first. If there is time left, I will give a sign, and then members with less than 30 days of sobriety can share. We limit our shares to one minute and a half, by which we give everybody the opportunity to share something. Who would please do the timing on one minute and a half?
Powell? I can do that. Oh, thank you so sorry. much. So please give a sign if it's one minute and a half, and then you're asked to wrap up. So and three, it's minutes, three minutes overall sharing. No, no, one minute and a half overall sharing. Okay, so a warning with uh, 30 seconds. Yeah, if you want. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So it's my task to indicate, to intervene when someone sharing deviates from the purpose of this meeting. So please go ahead. Yeah, if you share, if, we, if you share, I will acknowledge you so you know you're being heard. Masal, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you. I, I really appreciate the, uh, the share of the talk. Um, I had a question. You, you talk about your relationship with God, and I'm very curious because I, I feel I've felt this uh, presence of God in my life um, after uh, step five, or also you talked about uh, your wife and going through surgery. and. Um, I felt the presence of God and I felt very calm and serene also recently when I was with my father in the hospital in a, in a difficult situation. And I feel like I can feel him in the difficult situations, but in the mundane day-to-day -day life where everything is technically fine, I feel that he's very far away. It's like Dafka when the... <laughs> especially when... Uh, uh, when things are fine, when it's just like the average day to day, I feel like he's super far away. And during the the extreme times, then then I can feel him. And I was wondering if you have any um, experience, strength, and hope in bringing him into the, the the average day to day stuff, and not only the oh my god, um, my dad's in the hospital, or oh my god, this and this happened, but like in the day to day. Like, yeah, thank you for that question. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, there's a discipline that you to called practicing the presence of God, and I've used that because exactly what you said, we, could, we can always be uh, in an alarm situation where we call upon God. But I use that to, to remind myself, God is present. He's present here today. And, and I, I do things to remind myself that, there, that God is with me, and, and, and in very simple, ordinary kinds of circumstances. And uh, I, learned, I learned this uh, procedure from a, uh, a Buddhist monk uh, of recognizing God in little things, like I, I often wash in the dishes and one of the teachings he had is when your hand is in the water, warm water, thank God for that warm water. Thank God for the plate their food was on. Thank God for the people. But you can't do that unless you know that God is there. So and unless you have that contact with them. So just practice the presence just in the, in the middle of the day, in the middle of nothing, say, hey, God, you're with me. Thank you. And, and move on and do that and do that and do that. And before long, it'll become more habitual because it, it's it's pretty habitual with me. But I had I had to be intentional about it. So I just encourage you to try that. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Marcel. Hi, this is Dennis. Can I share? Please go ahead, Dennis. Yes, Gary. Thank you so much. What a beautiful soul, man. I know you now, and it's so it's amazing. Um, come in. Man, I'm going to start using that today. I can't wait to go on my walk today. Can you, what touched me the most, I think, was your share about that you gave up service to be with your wife. Man, I want to hear just a little bit more about that, if, if, if that's okay. Yeah, you know, I, I did some service things that are really important. 
<laughs> I told you that we were a poor family. We were a poor family, and we often didn't know where our food was coming from. Uh, and uh, so one of my real focuses in life has been uh, to do food relief uh, uh, for a long time. I started world, worldwide, but uh, I got really involved in the community doing it and uh, took over some sort of leadership roles in the volunteer arena for our, our food bank that serves a large portion of Iowa and Illinois. And uh, I really, I liked it, but I, I know there was an ego part to that because I got a lot of recognition for it and I was in control of things. And, and so giving it up, cause I can't think, I don't, I can't, I can't leave my wife home alone. And, and I'm not at the point yet of wanting to bring in outside people yet, or just that can't be. So I, I can't go out and do those things. And, uh, and I have relationships that are involved with the people that I was working with. And so I really, I really, really struggled with accepting that I, I had to tell them that I couldn't do this anymore. I had to, I had stopped going to the pantry where I worked every week, every Friday. And I, I had to let go of that. And, and I had to work on my ego that was fed by what I was doing. But it was also important work to me. And I could help support it in other ways. But my time is to uh, do my wife. That was a surrender, and, and I knew that that was God's call on my life, and uh, God is here with us in this house, and we're very fortunate. Thanks, Dennis. Thank so much. Who would like to go on? Hi, Gary. It's Carl. Thanks so much for sharing. It was really great to hear you. Hi, nice Carl. to hear you, Carl. Um, Yeah, those, that, it's really great to... Um, to keep a really simple prayer, um, just wondered, um, uh, do you still get, um, you know, difficult situations in that and that and life? And I'm going through a difficult one with my wife right now, and uh, um, it's like the disease is, is, is around, you know, it's like um, challenging. Um, I'm wondering what, you know, what's your, what's your approach when things get tough to keep going i suppose it's similar to the first question a bit but um in relation to the disease to keep that well i'm no saint <laughs> as it says uh, in our words we are not saints and by golly <laughs> i know saint and my wife would tell you that i'm sure but uh uh i i i try i i, I try to live with gratitude you know i, I i'm very i'm very fortunate uh uh you know, I, I'm, I'm really very fortunate. I, I'm a, uh, I usually don't talk much about this, but uh, it's okay. I, I'm a long time survivor of HIV, uh, decades survivor of that. I, I don't deserve to be a survivor of that. I don't deserve to be living this way today. But so I, I live with gratitude uh, and uh, I try to go there when things become overwhelming. And I, I, I just, I try to remember there's, there's no reason why I should be on this side of the dirt. There isn't. And I am. And there must be a reason for that. And one of the reasons I see is to be a loving presence uh, in my wife's life. And, uh, but I, I get, I get stressed. I get overwhelmed. I get frightened. She had it. She fell recently and broke three ribs and, uh, not her, not her Parkinson's doctor, but her a doctor taking her ribs put her on a medication for the pain, and the medication had a reaction with her other medications, and she had a severe mental uh, breakdown, 
And I thought, because sometimes it happens with Parkinson's, and I thought, oh my gosh, it's her Parkinson's. How am I going? I mean, she was out of reality. And for several days, I didn't know what to do before I finally got hold of her doctor, who's a specialist in a nearby city, and reviewed her. I said, oh, you got to get her off that pain medication. That's doing it. And, and so she's off that. And so now she's back to just her more basic struggles with the cognitive things. But I was so frightened. I didn't know, I didn't know if I could handle it. Well, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. That was going to be more than I can handle. This is going to be a more gradual, I think, change in things that I need to work to handle bit by bit. But it's not easy. We've got to be patient with ourselves. And, and one thing that I've never been good at, we also got to ask for help. And I'm, I'm not quite there. Some of my people are on my case locally say, no, you think it's time you bring it out so some outside help so you get some relief. There will be that time. I don't think I'm quite right there yet. But uh, be patient with yourself and ask for help and live with gratitude. That's, that's what I tell myself. Thanks. Thank you, Gary. Go ahead, Dana. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Gary, for uh, sharing your story. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, as you're my sponsor, and I have the unique opportunity to, uh, to learn from you and be, have our, this relationship, I've noticed that uh, you're very structured. You know, meetings start on time. Uh, you're very structured about vocabulary. Um, you don't like it when I swear. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure some of that is because of your training and your profession. But, and also, uh, I think it's the, uh, as I compare the way you talk with the way other guys talk, you really avoid any kind of sexual slang of any kind in your vocabulary. Are those, is that a discipline that you that just come to naturally from your training? Or is that something that because of your experience in SA, uh, you think that that's really important um, in terms of, you know, keeping lust out? Yeah, thanks, Dan. I, I do think it's important. But in saying that, uh, it was never my habit to use that kind of language. I, I, I just never, I, I never used that language. So it wasn't, it wasn't difficult for me not to hear. And I, and I always uh, had a, a negative reaction to it uh, when I'd hear it around me. And part of that was there was there was a great deal of promiscuity in, in the family of my origin when I was a child, and uh, uh, anything that. And there was there was language that was both language of anger, language of lust, language of violence, and and I wanted as much distance from that as I could. And it's just not been part of my distance. So part of my though, we talk about being structured. My first experience of step two and three was too structured. This experience that I'm telling you about with God coming in, that can be messy. That's not very structured. That's just say, hey God, I got a mess here. Come into this. Hey God, I am frightened. I am frightened to the core come in. Uh, that, that's not so structured, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I could be less structured, but I'm not sure you'd like it, Dana, so maybe we ought to stay structured. Thanks. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Gary. Who would like to go on? People with less than 30 days of sobriety can share or ask a question also now. Uh, thank you, I'm Mohammed Sixaholic. Hi, Mohammed. 
Thanks, Gary, for your share. And I really can relate. And and also, sometimes uh, I really sometimes need to remind myself that I need to be with God because more than God to be with me, God is with me always, but I'm far from Him. And that's uh, what I'm learning also from your share. Uh, my question is about, well, now, uh, are you, what's your experiences with, with praying? Are you using the steps praying uh, for staying sober or uh, you prefer, for example, the, your own prayers and you feel that it works uh, because you have a different situation? Uh, I hope uh, that you can share your experience about praying. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you, Mohammed. Uh, the, the church that I uh, practice my religion in is quite structured to prayer. It's a very liturgical church. That's liturgical prayer. And it has form prayer that I grew up with. I use, but I, 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 I don't use too much form prayer anymore. I try to, I, it's funny. Growing up, I sort of poo-pooed when I'd hear people talk about relationship, their relationship with God as they understood him. You know, and I, I didn't warm up to that. But today, today, today having a relationship with God is meaningful to me in a way that I never imagined it could be. And that's more about conversation. I tell you that the prayers I use today, I use the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I use a creed prayer in my life. I use the third step prayer all the time. I, I love the third step prayer. I can't imagine a prayer that feeds me as much as the third step prayer. And I use the serenity prayer to sort of keep me sane because it sort of compartmentalizes the things that helps you figure out how to go through life. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I believe prayer is very important because that's, that's how that relationship of, of having God nearby and knowing, knowing God is with me all the time. And I agree with what you said. It's not about, uh, you know, uh, God being near to me. It's be, me being near to God, which when I say come in, that's opening me, my awareness to God, you know, so it's opening myself up because he's there, but I got to open myself to him. But, uh, you know, prayer is about having a relationship. It's just a conversation. And and, and so, uh, you know, uh, I, I think God doesn't mind us shaking our fists at him. He, he wants us to, he wants to pay attention and have a relationship. So uh, whatever, you know, ultimately, ultimately whatever feeds the soul and, and strengthens that relationship for the individual is what I'd encourage. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Yuri. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Thank you Maybe a last question or a last uh, share. Um, yeah, this is Tyson, uh, recovering Tyson. psychologist. Um, thanks, Gary, for all of your uh, wisdom over the years. And um, I would like to thank you for that come in prayer as well. Um, that's I, I have a pretty good connection with God, I would like to think. Um, and I do use a lot of the program prayers and um, I guess religious um, prayers that come up uh, over and over with like in Christianity, like the Lord's prayer, um, things like that. I do use those quite a bit. Um, but like the last question, do you have like a specific prayer that you think that works best for you in like, troubled times because like we were talking you were talking earlier that god's really easy to come to contact with in the uh easy times the good times but it's the bad times for i think all of us that um 
with this disease that kind of triggers um, us wanting to act out again. Um, is there any specific thing or prayer that you do to kind of quell those feelings? I guess is my question. Not exactly sure how to respond to that, or maybe I even quite understand uh, the, the the question exactly. Uh, I guess um, my question is, I guess the easier way to answer it, uh, the, what's your biggest um, success, like with your, with acting out um, to stop you having the urges to want to act out, I guess? Is it well, prayer, meditation, something you say or think? Yeah, uh, I, I would say if if I have you know today, I I, I don't have the I don't have the urge. So I, I'm 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 removed from the intensity of of the urge that you talk about. So, but that doesn't mean I don't have the temptation. Our founder was asked uh, a short period of time before he died if he was uh, uh, free of uh, of lust, and he uh, said he's. Uh, how was it? Uh, uh, if he was lust-free, he said, I'm not lust-free. I'm free not to lust. Lust comes out as temptations. So uh, today, that, that two-word, if I, if I want to take a look, if, if I, anyway, the two word, that two-word prayer come in is a surrender prayer. It, it, it covers everything. And, and, and the third-step prayer is my go-to prayer all the time because usually if I'm in fear, if, if, I, if something is difficult or challenging, it's my will that wants to jump in there and manage it and control it and, 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 and dictate the outcome. And, and I need to be relieved of the bondage itself. I go to the third step prayer all the time, all the time, repeated times a day, because uh, I am a very willful person. I want my way, by golly, I want my way. And I can't always have my way. <laughs> I can rarely have my way, folks. But uh, it's a good, uh, relieve the bondage of so. Uh, Tyson, thanks. Thanks for being over there in Nebraska. And, and thanks for uh, the sobriety that Nebraska SA had shares with us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Tyson. Unfortunately, uh, we have to stop. So... This has been the sharing section of this meeting. Take what you think you can use and forget the rest. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our fellowship. Everything you've heard here has been set in confidence and should stay confidential. Keep therefore what you've heard here within the walls of this room and the limits of your mind. It's time for a seventh tradition which says, every SA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Donations can be made directly on the sa.org website or at your next face-to-face -face meetings. Next Wednesday, the 24th of June, we have another speaker and we alternate. Every week we have a male speaker and the other week a female speaker. Um, we haven't decided yet who the female speaker will be, but you will, it will be sent out in a couple of days from, from, from now. But so next Wednesday, we have another female long-term sober speaker. Um, could I choose somebody to read a vision for you at the end of the white book? It's on page 210 of the white book, a vision for you. Mohammed, you can read Thank you, Mohammed. Okay, thank you.
So one, one moment, please, to, to press. Okay. Uh, vision for you. We realize we know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's sick. The answers will come if you're on house in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See, see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great text for us. Bond yourself to God as you understand God and make yourself your false to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and we shall wish we will surely meet you. Some will surely meet of some of us. You'll surely meet some of us as you try the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you so much, Mohammed. And Thank then you. can I ask uh, Artemis to come in? Um, just one more minute of fame, Artemis. After your 11 years of heroic work, could you please uh, lead us into a prayer of into a program prayer of your own choice? And Gary, thank you so much again for your share. Thank you, Jack, Gary. That was beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah, why don't we just, uh, can you hear me? Sure, Artemis. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, why don't we, I, I'm fascinated with the third step prayer as well, so why don't we do that prayer? Yeah. Um, uh, we say it in the we form or in the I form? Anyone? Your choice, Artemis. Okay. Uh, God, grant us the serenity. Grant us the serenity. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking in Spanish. Uh, God, uh, sorry. I'm, um, God, we offer ourselves to thee. To build with thee and to do with thee as thou wilt. Relieve us of the bondage of self that we may better do thy will. Take away our difficulties that we may better do thy will. Luke, can you continue? I'm sorry, I'm having a very hard time. My mother's dying of cancer. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time today. Thanks. Could you continue? Sure. That victory over them, every witness to those who have Those who have Our way of life. May I do that will always. That will always. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Keep coming back. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, Gary. For those who have still, for those who have still time, we have some virtual coffee on the stove. So yeah. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. Okay. Thank you. Can I ask Gary one question, Gary? Is it black coffee or cappuccino? Choose. <laughs> what was that? You said psychopathic, like affirmation or whatever. I mean, it just, it's me, so I want to make sure. I, what was that you said? Uh, you remember? <laughs> uh, pathological uh, need for uh, uh, appreciation. Okay. <laughs> I'll go back again. That was good. Yeah, I, I, it was funny. So, 
That means sick, very sick. <laughs> I identified. <laughs> and thank you, Luke. Congratulations, Artemis. I'm praying for your mother. Yes, Artemis. Oh, thanks. Sorry, I'm just having a hard time. I'm yeah, trying to get flights to the U.S. right away. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Hope for you that it's going to be easier. Yeah, no, acceptance is the only problem. <laughs> yeah. The key. There's no other problem, actually. <laughs> Okay. Where where are you, Wait. Artemis? Where I'm in the you? north. I'm in the north of Spain. Okay. Uh, not far. Well, about uh, five hours from Luke. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can I have a question? Well, or can I ask question? Time. So. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Uh, just like just keep think. just keep your hands from my coffee, but you can <laughs> say whatever you want. <laughs> sure. <laughs> It's uh yeah okay, thanks look thanks for your time guys. I'd like to ask something I'm really afraid of, like when I'm praying when I want my defects or my, you know there are there, there are some as we know like my experience with lust it it was with shame, like uh some relationship before marriage sometime I remember I remember that and I can't I cannot like I feel shy to ask and to pray to relieve this because I feel that it's shame on me that I can pray and ask God to remove this or to, to talk to him about this. Like, because I feel that I'm impure and, and God knows everything. So th that's enough. I, I hope the point is clear that sometimes I'm really feeling uh, guilt or feeling uh, afraid of asking God everything except especially the things that I did and I feel shame on it, especially in the past. Yeah. I would, <clears throat> I would say, Muhammad, God already knows. So it doesn't matter. Um, you don't have to feel ashamed with God. God knows everything. Um, he knows your prayers before you say them. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. He knows your shame. Um, when you speak to God about your past, it is helping. That's how he helps you realize your potential and your future. So when you let him in, um, he wants you to let him in fully because he already knows everything about you. So there's no reason to be ashamed with him about your character defects or flaws. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Well, okay. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks. Anyone would like to give me also some tips or some shares? Yeah, a friend, a friend of mine who's also one of my spiritual advisors, he used to say to me, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans and tell him your needs. Because he already knows them. So there's no need to. And it's the same with the past. You don't want to make him laugh, tell him about your past. He already knows it. He's already been there. And I love what Gary was saying there about God's there. One of my images that uh, I've changed of God when I came to SA, I always thought that God was the uh, like the Mountie, always got his man. But now I always see God as a wounded healer, that he's wounded as well. I see. from those wounds that he heals us. Thank you, Francis. Yeah, 
All right. Well, Gary, yeah, would you like? I really feel. Gary, would you like to add something to it? Because the yeah. question was asked to you also. Well, you know, I think Seamus. Seamus toxic. It's very deadly, and and, and it's, it's also useless. You know, and I understand it because I lived it. But he, God, what we're saying earlier, what if God was for us? You know, he wants to be brought right into that. He wants to be right into our messes. You know, that's where he wants to be. That's where we, that was my mistake. That was my mistake. My earliest, I didn't, I didn't realize it. God was right there in the midst of whatever it is. Whether whether I was in a porn shop, you know, he was right there. I just had to say, God, I, I went out of here and I can't get out of here. Help me walk out the door. Walk out the door. And it's it's God. I'm bound up with this ugly shame. I sinful. I did these horrible things. They're unspeakable. God, I can't even ask for help. Come on into this. Be with me. Be with me. And, and make it a relationship. Let your tears flow. Let your laughter grow. God wants to be embraced by us. He wants to be part of us. He is part of us. It's just it's just coming alive with that. You know, I'm an old man. <laughs> That old man <laughs> at 75, it's, just, it's funny. I was doing one of these volunteer things in the food bank. We, we, go, we, have a thousand, uh, we have a thousand people for food in the holiday time, and it's winter time. And so I, one of my jobs is to be out there visiting with people in their long, long lines. And I usually joke with people. So I'm joking with this group of people and tease them about something. And as I walk away from them, one of the women says to them, he's so cute. And then I knew I was an old man. Now there's nothing convinced anymore. But um, yeah, he, he wants to be in our life just like that. Bring him into the midst of it. Just bring him in. Right. That's so, yeah. I agree with you, Gary. Thank you. One, yeah. one thing that's helped me also, Artemis, a lost addict, is that um, it makes very clear in the big book that this is a disease, that I have a disease. Uh, we're not talking about right or wrong, good or bad. Uh, um, I have a disease. I have an illness. I, I, um, uh, I, I, I didn't do, th it says that we lost the power of choice. Uh, if I had a choice, I wouldn't have done the things that I did, but I lost the power of choice. So, uh, if I didn't have a choice, God knew that I lost that choice. You know, uh, uh I have a disease this uh, the first step uh, you know many times the first step for me has been you know tick the 20 questions you know one question one two three up to 20 well number i don't know number 10 i said no and yet yet and number i don't know 18 i said no yet uh and i don't know for me i have to really understand that i have an obsession in my mind that is telling me this is the right thing to do Eventually, it's going to tell me that. And then I have an allergy that when I start, I can't stop. It's like a gorilla. Uh, you know, uh, my sponsor says, when the gorilla, when you have sex with a gorilla, you're not done until the gorilla is done. And so uh, that's going on the spree, you know. And uh, so, um, you know, when I go on a spree, I, I'm on the spree until the gorilla is until the craving is done with me. And so um, if I have an allergy like that, if I have a, an obsession like that in my mind, uh, I'm not acting. I'm not in my right mind. I'm ill. I'm really ill. I, I, I've done some really, really sick, perverted things. Uh, uh, so um, 
I've got to let go of this idea of right or wrong because it just it kills me. Uh, uh, maybe the guilt could direct me to do better, but the shame kills me. So thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks, Artemis. Thanks for sharing. I really agree with you. Thank you, Mohammed. This is yes, look. I, I look. I have. I had a lot of shame also, and still shame can come in deeply or many times because I come out of a shame-based family. I got shamed by my, by my father and my parents were shame-based themselves also, so I got abused also. But I think that shame is a lie. Shame, I have done very bad things, but shame is the lie that tells me that I am a bad person because I did bad things, and that's a lie. I did bad things in my disease. Under the influence of lust, I, I did really bad things. But I'm not a bad person. And that's the lie. And I think one of the most insidious ways of my disease is when it takes something which is true and it gives it a little twist. And I, I, I think it, I still believe it. Like, it is true that I did bad things. I can't deny that. But it's, the disease says you are a bad person because you did bad things or because you had bad thoughts. That's the lie. Another thing is, if I really would be a bad person, I wouldn't be here. If I would really be a, a, a completely evil person, I would love to do bad things. There would not be, there would not be a part in me which would, be, which would feel guilty and ashamed because of it. So the shame and the guilt, it's the proof that I'm a good person on the inside. Otherwise, I wouldn't feel guilt and shame about it. And that's the same for you, Mohammed. You're a good person yeah. with a bad disease. I really agreed with you. Agreed. Yeah. That's that's right. That's right. That's I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.